So my third is two years old and today she's transitioning to the bed. Today I sat in her room until she fell asleep. I took a little picture of her as she fell asleep and I posted it on my Instagram stories. Like, and then she woke up early from her nap and she came and I was here actually doing some bookkeeping today. And she climbed into my lap and she fell asleep like a newborn on my chest at two years old. And I continued to do the books. I wrapped up two clients with her sleeping on my chest with one hand. That's how flexible bookkeeping is. Welcome to the Capital Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Brinkley. Each week, we hear from stay-at-home moms who earn at least $2,000 per month without having to miss out on any of the precious moments with their kids. Welcome back to another episode of the Capital Mom Podcast. I am excited to introduce today's guest, Katie Farrell. Katie is a CPA and corporate escapee. She's also a stay-at-home mom with a six-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old at home. She built a bookkeeping business that surpasses her former tax manager salary, and now she teaches accountants to start a bookkeeping business and quit their jobs. Katie, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I am just so excited to have you on um, for multiple reasons, but I would just say like the number one reason is I love to try to have a variety of different um, industries represented. And I haven't had anyone on in the bookkeeping space or accounting space. So I'm really excited to hear about your journey. So I just want you to start out with like, okay, how did you get corporate, to being a stay-at-home mom, to having your own business. How did that all come about? Okay. So that spanned from about 2015 to 2019 was the time frame that I'm going to try to condense this into. In 2015, I had just been promoted, actually called back from a corporate job that I quit to go and work for a CPA firm. The corporate job called me back in 2014-15 gave me a manager's title that I didn't have when I left. So I had just gotten this like coveted manager title in accounting. Um, I had just finished my CPA in 2013. I felt like I had just reached the point in my career that you work towards when you're just following the path and you're not quite seeing how all of the pieces of what you want to do are actually going to fit together. And in 2015, I got pregnant with my first child, my son. And I remember just the feelings of the reality kind of hitting me of how am I going to maintain this job and then be the kind of mom that I want to be. I was commuting an hour minimum each way because it was, you know, rush hour and I, it was 30 something miles from my house. I love where I live. I love, love, love where I live. And so like moving to be closer to work was never an option for me. So I just was thinking like, how am I going to do this? But I was basically silencing those thoughts because I couldn't know what it was going to be like to be a mom. And I was in it, you know, I was just going to see what happened. So at 20 weeks pregnant, and this is my first pregnancy, I got in a car accident on the highway on my way to work. I'm fine. I was fine. Um, The baby was fine. We were in rush hour traffic, which means we were moving slowly, but we were all like bumper to bumper. So it was actually a four car accident and I was the third. So my van was pre-owned, but 11 days old to me. And it was smashed in the front and the back. Airbags didn't deploy or anything like that, but I was hysterical. 
And I'm not much of a crier or an overreactor, but I was losing it. And I think it was just the realization of, okay, this is even beyond what I had been thinking. What I was thinking, the things that I was thinking before the accident were like, where do I put my child in daycare? Is it by my house so that it's less of a commute with a baby? Or will it be by work? So in case, you know, something happens, I can be there. I wouldn't have felt comfortable being an hour away from my child. But now in this car accident pregnant, I'm thinking I can't commute to have my son close to me. And this is obviously dangerous, both for me and for my children. And I have no daylight, you know, right now the time just changed and it's the the winter, South Florida here, so it doesn't feel like that. But you get no daylight. And I remember like, I had no daylight in those days. So how was I gonna do breakfast? How was I gonna do bath time? Like it all, it all literally hit me. I took that day off and the next day, and my boss, it was a Thursday when it happened and the next day was a Friday and my boss was a great man. And he's like, calm down take the day off, like, don't come in, just get yourself together. And we'll see you on Monday. That Friday, the very next day after this car accident, my corporation was a very big company, very big, like national, international. And they announced what they called a VSIP, a Voluntary Separation Incentive Program. People who had been with the, pro- with the company for five years or more could choose to quit on the company's timeline. They would tell you when your last day was, they would give you a generous bonus. It was about 30% of my salary. So like a generous bonus and 12 weeks severance. And I just knew that I couldn't not take that, you know? And honestly, it was still hard for me to make that decision because like, I just worked so hard to get here. And I'm not sure the background of the people who are listening, but like when you're in that corporate environment, when you leave corporate, I'm not coming back to another manager job when I've been there for a year and now I'm going to take this time off. That's not going to happen. There's not a lot of big corporate jobs like that. That was a good company. You know, I knew when I was leaving that I was leaving corporate. I knew that I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I had to do something like uncharacteristic for my type A accountant self and just listen to the signs and take the leap. So I took the severance and they told me my last day, which happened to be exactly a month before my son was born. And that's how I exited corporate. So I'm telling the slower version story because that was just leaving corporate, right? But it was a big deal. And I think the thing that I kind of want to highlight there is that I recommend going out on your own and I recommend getting out of corporate, but I understand and honor how difficult that decision can be because I got paid a generous amount. And one of the questions that I read in your, your thing before this was like, did you have somebody that was like helping you through that? And my husband was like happy to have me home. Like he was not belaboring the decision like I was. It was more for for me that I knew I was giving up something that I basically had just finished working my whole life for, which was the CPA and that role and that environment. And I was just going to see what happened next. So when my son was born just one month later, interestingly enough, in the hospital, they were showing my company and announcing a sale, which was obvious, right? It was obvious that that was coming, but it wasn't stated. So had I not taken that offer because it was, you know, unsafe, even getting paid that it was unsafe to do, right? And so if I wasn't pregnant and hadn't gotten in that car accident, I don't think I would have done that. And if I hadn't done that, then the company would sell. And then you'd be wondering, am I going to lose my job? And so if I didn't do it when I was pregnant, I would be with a brand new baby on my chest, watching my company, you know, be in this state of turmoil. And it would have been so stressful. So I didn't take for granted how grateful I was to not be experiencing that. 
And then it was my first son. And like, that was the hardest one for me. I have three kids and the transition from none to one was definitely the hardest for me. So I remember always thinking throughout that maternity leave, like, oh my gosh, I'd be halfway through maternity. How am I going to go back? And so I felt those feelings. And then I felt the gratitude for not experiencing it. And being able to be like present in that time made me know that I never wanted to give that up. I never wanted to give so much of myself and so much of my time and so much of the time that you're not work commuting, thinking about it, preparing for it, you know, in corporate, I knew I never wanted to go back. And then bookkeeping started to build under me is the truth. I wasn't seeking it, but I had a background in tax. I had worked at a CPA firm and the CPA firm is actually one that connected me with a big client at home. And they were the client that kind of allowed me to play, learn a lot of lessons, make money while being home with my kids and forgetting that I kind of did something else. And I had this like realization one day because stuff that I did with that money was things around the house that I wanted to on um, family and friends without having to like use somebody else's money for that or ask for more things for myself. So I furnished the office, office furniture in my house. Our house was new to us then. So like it sat there for a while and then I put office furniture in it and I sat there with my son napping. I was pregnant with my daughter at the time. Is that right? I'm, I don't know. I might've been pregnant with my third. I can't remember. No, I was pregnant with somebody. <laughs> And I was thinking, I'm working. Like, I forgot that I worked. I would tell people I was a stay-at-home mom. I knew that I didn't want to grow the business anymore. So that kind of kept me stuck for a while where I was at about like five clients and not wanting to get bigger because I didn't want to give up being a stay-at-home mom. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, and I'm trying to finish the thoughts while they're there <laughs> because it, it's bringing me back to things that like, you know, are years removed now. But that moment, like sitting in my home office was when I realized I was making that money, but it was through one client and it still felt unsafe. It still felt very much like working in corporate, all eggs in one basket. What if something happens with this client? And now I'm used to making money again, and I'm used to being home. And like, what if something happens, right? Like I just wanted to get ahead of that, like being in a position where I felt like desperate. And so it kind of became my mission to find a way to make that same amount of money that I was making from that one client while doing it like more securely. So a little bit more spread out and not giving up my time. In fact, I wanted to work less. And at that time, at that time, I either didn't have a sitter or I had a sitter for somewhere between eight and 10 hours a week. Um, and, you know, then I went down this path of trying to sell courses to teach people the basics of tax and accounting when starting their business for about a year year and a half. I was heavy in the online space trying to build courses with what I knew without having to give much of myself in return because of that time issue. And when I was pregnant with my third, all of a sudden I had this stronger desire to get myself to the level I've been working towards and not quite getting to and um, take a maternity leave because I was about to have three. And I knew that that was going to be a complete game changer. My son, when I had my third, my oldest was not four. So I had three kids in the span of, you know, four years and I knew what I was in for. So I wanted to be able to have recurring revenue and re recurring revenue without a lot of sales, deep relationships, you know, and have it be something that like I could train. And all of a sudden, I realized that my bookkeeping business could be part-time and profitable and scalable if I hired help. And 
So it became my goal to get five to 10 clients in the next three months while I was pregnant with my third so that I could like get them on, set them up, get bookkeepers on to help me with the clients that I had, and then take a maternity leave. And that went wildly successful. I got 13 clients in three months, went from five clients who I was almost like, they were all referrals. They all came to me the first five. And then I was almost pumping the brakes. Like I didn't want to continue to grow that because I didn't want to have to work more to do it. When I started hiring a team and finding clients who would pay the amount that felt good to me, my prices, in my opinion, are not high, but they're no brainers. Like they're no brainer value. And they're also really profitable for my business when you look at it in terms of hours. So yeah, I went from about five to 18 clients in three months. I hired three part-time bookkeepers and I had a third baby. And what happened next is the leads didn't stop coming after I had the baby, even though I stopped marketing, the leads kept coming because of like the little snowball effect of putting all those wheels in motion. And um, down the road, that's where I ended up teaching bookkeepers how to do the same. Wow. I mean, that is just such a, an amazing, inspiring journey. That you yeah, it's a lot, right? And it's a lot of twists and turns. And I'm like, how do I say it in these segments? And I think I got the time frame confused. I'm trying to remember when I was sitting in that office. I think maybe, maybe, my, my, maybe my daughter was born. Like maybe I had my son at two years old and my daughter at six months old, because I think that's when I decided I wanted to do courses. Oh, interesting how pursuing the courses, this is really how it all connected for me, pursuing courses and that dream of passive income and like not trading dollars for hours, right? Going down that rabbit hole turned the business I was trying to run away from into the thing that, that was able to achieve the goal. Like I couldn't see how it connected until I got in there. And then I was like, I have to raise the prices. I have to find the right people that will pay. I have to make sure that I'm taking the types of clients that I know how to serve. And then I need to hire people and train it out in a way that like I can trust that they're going to do it and also get relief. And I found, I found a sweet spot. And so it, it became where my bookkeeping business gives me all of those things. Okay. So I want to ask you now um, that just like, I have so many questions from this now. So one of the thoughts that comes to mind when someone is talking about starting their own business and then growing it to where you're hiring a team is just, oh, wow, that's a lot of headache. You know, having a team, hiring people, that's just more stress, more frustration and more time. So did you struggle in the beginning with the hiring process? And how long do you feel like it took you to kind of iron that out to where now you you have your processes in place that actually save you time? Yeah. So I think early in 2017, I was pregnant with my daughter and my son had just turned one. And that was when I got, I, I had four clients then. Three were brand new, all at the same time you know, which was interesting and then not because it was sort of like divine, you know, the, the timing of that, because I was getting to complete the first year where I had the severance and the, um, and the bonus and everything. So it was going to be my first year with like no income. And then all of a sudden I went from one client to four and one being a big client. At that time, I thought all of those things. I was like, it only takes me like, truthfully, it can take me an hour to do somebody's monthly books. And I charge now um, upward, I, I charge upwards of 300. Now at that time, I still had clients who were 200. But even if it's 200, and it takes me an hour or less, I'm making $200 an hour or more. 
And that was where I was stuck. I was stuck in shooting for the hourly. Now I, I shoot for profit, you know? So I am involved with my clients and I'm involved with my bookkeepers. What is so great about bookkeeping that's different, I think, from any, maybe not any other industry, but a lot of industries is that it's perpetual. I keep talking about this. It is perpetual monthly recurring revenue. There is no end unless the person is unhappy with you. Um, you get sick of them because maybe you underquoted them or you took on a client you really shouldn't have because you were learning or maybe like just in a stage where you needed to take anyone. But typically it's either like an outgrowing that becomes mutual and you become okay with, or they go out of business. But honestly, when you're really good at what you do, those things happen less and less. So there'll be much more the exception than the rule. And when it happens, you won't, you will think about it the first time it happens. After you see that that client exited and you were able to bring on a better client that pays you more and is easier because you've learned something, it gets a lot easier to let clients like roll off what I call the Ferris wheel. Like my goal is to, to fill up this Ferris wheel and keep it at around 25 clients because that's my sweet spot of what I think I can handle with ease. Beyond that, it starts to get a little stressful because you do have year-end stuff. But throughout the year 25 with a team of like even three very part-time bookkeepers is very doable. And like now, you know, I mentioned that I had a babysitter with, with eight to 10 hours. I still do that. In fact, in 2022, I'm trying to cut that down to once a week for five hours and a couple of nap times and a couple of bedtimes just to do like the easy bookkeeping that is not phone calls. It's not client acquisition because I've built it. It's here. So you get these really long-term rewards from signing bookkeeping clients. You get learning curve payoffs, you get process payoffs, your clients get to like love you on an intimate basis. So you might think like, I have 25 clients and I have a team, so I don't have deep relationships with my clients. I have deep relationships with my clients, all of them. And that is probably the, the biggest thing that I flex right now is the relationship and hopping in when it gets complex. And because I am good at what I do, and you know, that's where like I have two programs and Babs, I call it Babs. It's become a bookkeeper that teaches the technical skills. And it's what I created second. It's the more important one, because if you're good at what you do, literally everything else gets easier. So I say it with like confidence that I'm good at what I do. So like when my bookkeepers get stuck, they have done 95% of the clerical work that bookkeeping becomes when you put a good system in place. So then I go in and I, I solve the one problem but I remove the bulk of the admin. That is not how I saw it in the beginning. In the beginning, when I had four clients, I was like, it's gonna take me four hours to do the whole month's worth of work. I don't care if I'm inefficient, I'm still making a good hourly wage, but at some point you bottleneck and you kind of bottleneck quickly. I wanna say by 15 clients, you're getting stressed out. But by 15 clients, you've also seen that you signed 15 clients and the signing 15 clients becomes the easier part than the executing. So it's sort of one of those things that like you walk into and when you realize that you have more clients than you can handle, you start hiring it out. And I, I mean, I coached all through this and booked out bookkeeper, my program that teaches them like how to run the business. I coach through all of that. It still comes up. I give them all the answers. We still have to work through it, like what you can outsource, but you don't even have to get rid of the whole client. Somebody can pull statements for you. Somebody can accept rules that you created. Somebody can go in and do the things that like almost anybody can do. And you can do the complicated stuff to have more control. I think you can manage probably 20 clients on your own also 
while still not having a sitter. I, I really think that you can do that. Wow. Um, I do about six clients fully each month and then I'm involved with the rest. And what I'm involved with is all of the like, this bank didn't connect and that thing didn't happen and this won't reconcile and this new account, you know, the more complex stuff. And I'm still able to get it done, you know, and I, and that's not all I do right now. So I I have that, I have my programs, I I have three kids and, um, you know, life. And so if I were just focused on my bookkeeping business, I think I could probably handle 15 or 20, but not in the way that I want to. So that's the thing too, when you're considering like getting help, it's, are you getting help on things that you'll reap the rewards of training for? That's big. Are you getting help on things that like, you don't have to worry about? I think that's big too, you know? So you do it in little stages. And then you think like, what relief will that give me? So in certain seasons, like I've had a hard time. Um, I've been sick. My kids have been sick and deadlines don't get missed because it's not just me because I can lean on my team for help. And those are the moments where it becomes really invaluable to have help. That's good. Okay, so I want to go back because um, on this podcast, we're really focused on, I feel like the moms who are just beginners at trying to figure out, okay, how can I just earn at least $2,000 a month and not have to miss out on all these times with my kids? So I want to go back to that very beginning part. How many hours a week were you spending to at the point where you were earning $2,000 a month, how many hours per week and kind of what did a typical day look like for you at that time? Yeah, that's easy to go into. Um, I just did that on my podcast, went into all of that really in depth actually. And the scenario that I was running was, so we'll run with this. We'll say we want 2000, let's make it 2,500. And instead of 2,500 sales, let's make it 2,500 of profit because those are the numbers that I ran. And this is for somebody who doesn't want a team yet. I talk about the rest because you might not be able to see this yet. Like you, and I say you like to anyone who's listening, who thinks that $2,000 is like, how am I going to get there? Especially if we're talking about sales. And this is the value of bookkeeping is you, it's way more attainable than you think. I'm going to break that down tangibly right now. And when it gets to be that doable, you'll leap into the next level very quickly. And I say that with confidence, not from myself, but like in Bob, my, my coaching program on like the, the grow the business, I've had 50 something people in there and it goes quickly from where are all the clients to how do I get my first hire? Because they see that, that the bottleneck is there, but let's run with it. Let's say you're in a season where for a year or two or three until the kids go to kindergarten, what you want is $2,500 of profit. It's about three grand a month on the high end of sales because in this, I recommended Kajabi, which is 149 a month. So you could do without that. Honestly, you could do without almost any expenses in a bookkeeping business, but I highly don't recommend it. I recommend getting the things that make it easier for you to do your job and easier to get paid. And so you should be billing in something that is auto subscription. And I, I use Stripe. And I integrate that with Kajabi and Kajabi, like for any, are are they familiar? Should I explain what Kajabi is? Explain. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Kajabi is, I bought it when I was like planning on doing courses and it's, it's marketed that way, but it's actually just like an online presence type of a thing that allows you to have the things that I find valuable, a website with forms, 
integrated right there. Like you're not connecting all these other free things in apps. You're able to create a website instantly when like WordPress for me was really hard. So you're going to be able to skip. When I asked for what a website was going to cost, they said five grand. Kajabi's 149 a month now on the low end. You can get your website built in a day. And then you can link different offers and your offers can be anything. So I bill my clients through Kajabi. It looks pretty and it's all connected. And then it auto subscribes them so that they're paying me automatically every month without them or me doing anything. And if they fail to pay me, it will retry in Stripe. That happens automatically, very simply. You can also integrate forms, which you want to do if you're trying to get um, clients and pre-screen them. You can do blogging, which actually can drive a ton of traffic to your bookkeeping. And it's just like all of these possibilities that you can expand on. And I think it's worth it, even just for the billing. Because if you're chasing down one client, and I say like, let's start at, what did I say? 300, I think, on the low end for bookkeeping. If I have to chase down a client payment, and that takes me one hour, and a $300 a month client might also take me an hour, I'm wasting my time, you know? The $150 a month for making everything streamlined and professional is worth it, but it's optional, so you can avoid it. But that's one of the expenses that I had in that, in that scenario. So to make $3,000, you can do 10 clients at $300 you can do uh, about nine clients at 350 and you could do seven and a half clients at 400. So seven at 400 will probably get you there. Seven clients at 400, you're going to make $2,800 in sales. You're going to pay about 3% in a bank fee. So in all of those scenarios, it's about $85 for Stripe to process your payments automatically. Worth it. You might pay 149 for Kajabi if you just feel like you're ready to like go all in and make that easy. And outside of that, you, you're going to pay for error and omission insurance, which is on the high end, 900 a year. So that might, you might swallow on that one. But again, that comes out to $75 a month. And again, if you're in that, let's even say the 300 scenario, right? That's still only 25% of one client each month to pay for your insurance. So it's worth it. And it's worth it because you can sleep at night. I really recommend G Suite for email so that you can do the custom domain. That's $6 a month. I recommend Dropbox, which I think is about $150 a year. I recommend, and that's for file storage. I recommend HelloSign for signing contracts. And that's free for, I think, three a month. And EverSign is free for, I think, five signatures a month. So I would just alternate between the two and not pay. Calendly booking software is huge. It's free if you have one meeting time. It's like $85 a year if you pay to upgrade it with a bunch of different features. And it saves you so much time, like so much time in the back and forth booking. And with all the calls that I've ever booked, I swear I have had like zero, zero complaints about my very limited calendar. So if you're a stay-at-home mom and you can only take calls at really weird hours, it's okay. And Calendly does that work for you so that people are booking a time with you and they're just seeing when you're available, you get to preset that, you get to block your calendar for days off. And so it's totally worth it and should be used. And then the upgraded version is really cheap. I'm trying to think outside of that. Canva, you know, it could be $13 a month if you want to get cute with your graphics, but it can also be free. And I used it for free for a long time. Um, 
honestly, that's about it in terms of expenses. You have to pay for bookkeeping software, but I make my clients reimburse me for that. And that that's just a conversation in the beginning and it's never a problem. So it'll look like me saying, this is going to be $350 a month. And so I'll, I'll bill you that plus the $30 for the zero subscription and you'll pay me $380 a month. And it's really that simple as just like saying this is what this is and not tying anything like, but you know, there is the $30 for the fee. You just say it matter of factly and they're like, okay. I also could give them the option of paying it themselves, but there are a couple of little things that you can do on the back end too to kind of increase your profit with that. Because if you get if you get certified as a zero partner, I, I really recommend zero bookkeeping software. I for it over QuickBooks, pretty hands down, especially if you're gonna serve online business owners. And I love serving online business owners as a virtual bookkeeper because it's in demand, it's growing every day and no hangups to you doing everything virtually. And they're, they hang out together. They're kind of easy to find. Word of mouth referrals goes a long way and the way that they get paid. And so the way that their books look are pretty similar. So you reap rewards. So that's why I like zero. And if you get certified through zero, which is free, then you can get like 15% off your subscription. So you bill them for the subscription. You save the 15% by being a partner and you might save like a couple of bucks, you know, which kind of can buy you back your bank fee is how I look at that. But yeah, so with seven to 10 clients, you can earn around $3,000 and you'll have around $150 to $300 of expenses each month. You're going to profit probably um, 5% of it if you're doing all of the work yourself. I'm thinking maybe more. You know, you can be super profitable if you don't have a team. And then when you have seven to 10 clients, it will take you in, in that dollar range per client you know, 300 to 400, it it should take you between an hour, sometimes less and four each month on average and four honestly being high. So if you have, let's run with the worst case scenario, that's 10 clients and four a month, four hours a month, sorry, 10 clients that you work on monthly that take you a maximum of four hours. It's 40 hours a month. A month. That's worst case scenario. Yes. And of course, this is for a person who, like me, had the experience to be able to jump in and like bookkeeping experience or or accounting experience or tax experience is pretty easy. And then for anybody else, when you learn the skill. So you're going to have to give yourself the time to learn the skill. But I, I think for a lot of these clients, four hours, even when you're kind of new, if you've taken the time to to learn, you know, about what bookkeeping is, then it's really doable, really doable. And like I said, the the long-term rewards of getting faster and more efficient and guiding your client to having more efficient systems is the thing that makes that hourly even higher. And in my opinion, you deserve it because you co-created that system that makes it efficient. That is incredible. So, I mean, 40 hours a month, if you divide that out, that's less than 10 hours a week. And you are earning an income without having to put your kids in childcare without having to commute, without having to miss out on like me. It's very important to me to rock my son to sleep or not to sleep, but I rock him and read to him before nap every day. He sleeps in his own bed every day. And that's important to me. I love that. Um, So it just the flexibility that you have. And then not only that, but this is something that you can also do from anywhere. So If you want to travel and do this, it's very feasible. Okay, I want you to talk 
a little bit about the experience level. So you had a lot of experience in this field, um, but as you were talking about that, um, you mentioned that people who don't have experience can still get into this. Are there any requirements for people who have not worked in bookkeeping or accounting in the past that they need to have before they can start their own bookkeeping business? So the quick answer is no. And I'm going to start basically just talking about my program, Become a Bookkeeper, if that's okay with you. Also, also cite my, my podcast that has like 50 something episodes. 50 is like a big number for me. I have 50 people basically in both of these programs and um, to somewhere around that same mark. It's interesting. But that podcast is called Profits and Prosecco. So a lot of the questions that you're probably going to start to ask as we get more tangible with this, I probably have covered in there. If not, I'm going to. So questions like, so I'm going to give the short answer to things right now. Like, do you need a CPA license to become a bookkeeper? And the answer is no. Do you need to do tax in order to succeed in a bookkeeping business is such a common question. And the answer is no. I am a CPA. I am still a licensed CPA. I have tax experience. I don't do my own taxes. I don't do my clients' taxes. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is that those things that are important to you are really important to me too. And I actually got goosebumps when you were saying it, because like we said, before we started recording today was one of those days where I was witnessing, you know, what is actually possible and witnessing the dreams that I had. And since I started as a stay at home mom, it wasn't like my goal to get those moments. It was my goal to never lose those moments. So my third is two years old. And today she's transitioning to the bed. Today I sat in her room until she fell asleep. I took a little picture of her as she fell asleep. And I posted it on my Instagram stories. Like this was the plan. I was going to be the one to tuck you in. And then she woke up early from her nap and she came and I was here actually doing some bookkeeping today. And she climbed into my lap and she fell asleep like a newborn on my chest at two years old. And I continued to do the books. I wrapped up two clients with her sleeping on my chest with one hand. That's how flexible bookkeeping is. And like you said about traveling, I have done books in all kinds of different states. It doesn't stop me from going anywhere. I might still need to check in. I definitely still need to help my team if it's the first half of the month. This is the other thing we didn't touch on. I turn around my books in the first half of the month. That means the last half of the month is designated for either nothing or like new client stuff or like my coaching. My bookkeepers that work for me work in about a week time span. There is always that option is to make maybe not $2,000, but maybe $1,000 a month working for probably a couple of different bookkeepers because none of them need that much help. (laughs) So my team members don't make $2,000 a month. They don't work that much. I pay them between 25 and 30 an hour though right now. And my goal is to pay them higher. So you could work for somebody like me and make 25 to 30 an hour and maybe do a couple and maybe buff put that into a couple of weeks a month and take the rest off, which would mean no sales, you know, no anything like that. This wraps up part one of my dynamic interview with Katie Farrell. Be sure to tune in next week for part two, where Katie will dive even deeper into what it takes to become a bookkeeper and earn a flexible income from home by building a business around the lifestyle that you desire. In the meantime, check out her podcast, Profits and Prosecco. And you can find her on Instagram at Orderly Accounting by Katie. You can also find Katie on Facebook and check out her course called 
become a bookkeeper. Be sure to visit her website, katiefarrow.com, to find out more. And as always, you can find all the links in the description below. The goal of this podcast is to inspire and encourage as many moms as possible to design their lives in a way that allows them to have freedom and flexibility to spend as much time with their kids as possible and earn the income they need for their families. You can help me reach more moms by subscribing to, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. I love connecting with my listeners. So reach out and leave a review. If you have an idea for someone who should be a guest on the show, or you would like me to find a guest in a specific field, let me know. I'm here to serve you. Join me next week for another episode of the Capital Mom Podcast.